0: hello 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 everybody welcome back to oversharing where i overshare everything on this platform about myself and i'm not a teenager anymore and today is episode 13 and i want to talk about this chapter which i recently read from a book called 101 essay um you know that will change the way you think by Brienne, brianna sorry and i think this book is is very hyped about so i was like what is it about is it really that good and personally i think it's not mind-blowing but it's a great reminder of things that you might not recognize how far you have came from or things that you need to work on by reflecting on yourself and with those essays like, like giving you some direction to rethink and i think rethinking is very important because it helps us to grow and to change for the better. And today specifically, I want to talk about things emotionally healthy people know how to do. I'm going to be reading out some of those paragraphs and hopefully you don't get copyright, but I want to like tackle each single like bullet points you guys could also rethink in the meantime and then I'm going to talk about my personal experience and what I think about it. Do I agree with that or do I not agree with that? So the first one is emotionally healthy people know how to listen to their pain. It goes, emotional stress and discomfort is a signal that there's a better way. There's something misaligned. It's always directing us towards something better, more aligned with who we are and want to be. The only challenge is getting past whatever made us ignore it in the first place. Last episode, I tackled on the topic where I said about talked about gender dysphoria. And I think within the time that I got um, that I was living in a body that I wasn't even satisfied or like conf- comfortable in, I do feel there was a lot of emotional stress and discomfort. And also in the period of time where I didn't, you know, accept my own sexuality, um, which really destroys me mentally. And, you know, having that discomfort made me rethink about life. What am I living for? What am I living? If tomorrow I die, what would I want to become first? Like, what would I wish myself to become? And treat every day as like the last day I live? Like what would I have done differently? And I would say like that rethinking made me reflect on would I want to continue the life that I was living like that? Or I would want to change this and to work on something that would um, make me feel more comfortable and more enjoyable to live my life. And that is the, the the greatest challenge i would say is getting over that concept the initial concept that i have been taught throughout the years to rewrite everything in my system to abandon the very traditional religious belief and to adapt something that i never thought of or i never thought it was an op- is it, it was an option i think this is really important i do agree on that so i would say i agree Number two, they know to observe thoughts objectively and not uh, identify with them. You are not your thoughts. You are just your feelings. You're the being that observes, reacts, uses, generates, and experiences those things. This is to say you can't control them, but they don't control you. You choose what you think about. You choose what you allow to pass. And when you can't allow yourself to let things go, you're trying to tell or show yourself something. Pay attention. Yeah, I do think that we can have our mind is very powerful. It it does give us like all those bizarre thoughts and feelings are something that you can't even control. But I mean, you can control how you act on your feelings. I think that makes sense because sometimes I feel like I can't really control all my feelings. If I really feel sad, I just allow myself to feel like that, and I, I choose to let that go. Uh, I choose to, I choose to feel like that. Um, I don't. I no longer like hold it back and like shove it somewhere deep, because that didn't work pretty well before. So let's not do that again. Okay, number three. They can see within them the things they dislike in others. One more time for the people in the back. You love in others what you love in yourself. You hate in others what you cannot see in yourself. When you practice self-identifying every time you find yourself frustrated or inexplicitly annoyed with someone or their behavior, you tap into an ultimate tool for growth and the fastest route to create a more peaceful existence for yourself, you are no longer at the whim of others' behavior because ultimately you were never angered by them. It always existed in you. Well, this really made me think, because initially when I first read this, I really don't understand what it meant. Like, what do you mean by I I don't like someone that da-da-da-da-da and I, I have... I lack that within myself that I have to work on, that I have not figured it out. There are things that I really don't like in people. Um, For example, I don't like people that does not communicate well. But also I can see how I'm not very good at that in times. I think I'm way better. I don't want to say like I'm a totally 180 from a year ago, but I'm definitely like improves so much about communication. And people that can't communicate well just really frustrates me because I can't read people's mind. I can't guess people's feelings. I can't know how they are feeling if they don't tell me how they feel. So I feel like I dislike when people passively, aggressively express their feelings and the second thing I don't like in people dislike in people are people that just being fake. They're untrustworthy and I dislike people that are not trustworthy because I think of myself as a person as honest. Like relationship wise I don't think I was, you know, dishonest and I wasn't untrustworthy. So I would say that so number four they're able to differentiate loving something versus loving the idea of it to be cautious of why they desire something not just that they desire it ideas solve problems we make up in our head if we believe that we are unworthy of love we need to we need the idea of loving adopting partner Who affirms how perfect we are to correct it? With understanding that we want that love to fix something in us, we just think we desperately want love because we are romantic or because happy lives do not exist without it. But the people who are cautious of why they desire something are able to choose wants that are not based in solving a problem but in something more genuine and healthy. Yeah, I think I really agree on this. Like, personally, I... Recently, I heard something about lust and feelings and, like, choices again. That The idea of romantic or that it could be just a lust with someone. You know, it doesn't really, really last. Because having a relationship that lasts requires, as I told you guys before, choice. And so... I was a person that have very minimal self-love and I crave love from others um, very desperately because I don't really like myself. I don't know how to love myself. So I felt like having someone to love me would just fill that gap. And it did, it did. I mean, I think that was a necessary thing that has to happen to my life to be able to let me learn from it and to grow from that. I definitely have reconstructed the idea of love and desire. After working on like self-love, I really know that I'm not trying to find someone to solve a problem of loving myself. or not feeling love from people. Like I really have to work on myself. If I can't really love myself, how could I expect love from anyone else or feeling loved by anyone else to complete myself? Like, it's not going to be complete. Even though, like, maybe someone loving me would fill up 50% of that hole. But if I don't love myself, it will never be 100 It would still be a hole somewhere empty, genuinely What I'm looking for right now from love is a good, healthy connection instead of solving my problems. Number five, they know when it's time to break up with a friend. It's often different, difficult to determine the line between being committed to a relationship even when it isn't sunshine and happiness and knowing when it's time to step away from something that's no longer a positive force in your life. Often we feel almost guilted into remaining close with people to whom we don't actually feel obligation and that it is a recipe for emotional disaster emotionally healthy people can identify the people who are spiteful jealous or too wrapped in their own issue to not project them onto somebody else do these people need love and companionship too certainly but sometimes walking away is the best way to do most of the time the healthiest choice i do really agree on this i have walked out from a few relationships Friendships, you know, before and walking away from those relationships, I don't want to, you know, surround myself with people that does not give me good vibes anymore. Like, makes me feel certainly some way or another bad. And I just want to leave that. I just want to stay away from that so that I can mentally be healthier and just don't need to. Get projected by them, you know? It was, um, it was in a time that I reflect on my life being like, what friends are worth preserving and what friends are not worthy to preserve because of how I changed my mind. I just want to surround with people that are kind of like puppies. When you look at dogs, or I, I love dogs, okay? When I look at my dog, it always gives me this welcoming vibe this cute face and like makes me smile it just is so welcoming and it's sunshine and smile and makes me happy and i just want myself to be surrounded with people like that i don't want to surround me meet myself with people that makes me feel like i have to act a certain way or feel shitty about myself is it selfish perhaps but is the healthiest thing I could ever do to my mental health and just being as a being. Like, I wanna be able to grow as a person and grow with my friends, not going backwards. Number six, they live minimally, but realistically. Emotionally healthy people know that no physical uh, acquisition can shock them into feeling what they desire, not for more than a moment, anyway. So they forgot forgo the rat race and learn to ground it in the simplicity of life. They want not and waste not keep in their space only things that are meaningful or useful that are mindful, intentional, grateful, and wise with what they consume and keep. I can say I agree on this too, like I think I match this too, is because um, yeah, as i said i I learned to let things go some things that do not serve me anymore. I let them go. Um, I no longer control how people think, how they feel, how they choose. You want to keep me, keep me. If you want to lose me, I don't. I don't want to hold you back anymore. I'm always grateful for people that who stayed and still choose me as as their friend, as their um, companion. And um, I just choose to pick more s- wiser, because like. You can't survive on this earth having everybody. In the second episode, I think, about friendship is, I don't want a lot of friends. I really don't think I need a lot of friends. Even though the 13, 14-year-old me might want to be the most popular person in school, having like 50, 100, 200, 300, yeah, 300 or something plus friends. But honestly, I don't. And I don't regret not having that much friends in my junior year I feel like that's how I became who I am today which is like I understand people's intention I understand how to grow and to choose people and determine who's good for me number seven they can be alone what you find solitude is perspective when you're not in the presence of people with whom you must monitor your actions, choose your sentence wisely, you can let yourself just be. And it's why we find it most profoundly relaxing and why emotionally healthy people practice it often. When there's nobody else around for whom you must tailor your emotions, you can experience them fully. Wow, I love this one so much. I recently just love being in my solitude stage. Like I don't like to hang out with people as much as i did before it's weird i don't even know why like i have friends here but i just choose not to hang out with people um especially my favorite thing to do is going to a cafe drink a coffee, read a book and spend my whole afternoon like that staring at the sea on a beach listening to music by myself i feel like that's What I enjoy the most, and I feel like really relaxing, and it's still a point. It's too comfortable, and I told my therapist about this, and I was like, "Is this really um, weird that I like it?" I first, I at first, I really hated this. I first came to um, Toronto by myself, and um, most of my friends aren't from Toronto. Like I. I have most of my friends in Hong Kong and Vancouver. So like Toronto is also a kind of new place, even though I have a few friends here. But I just enjoy the experience of being myself with myself. Um, I think I started like hanging out with myself very often. It was only like once a week, but now it's like every single week, every single weekend, I would just go out by myself and do all these favorite things that I love. And I also love taking myself to movie theaters, going to like new places to explore. You guys don't know because I won't even post a story about it. And so that's what I love. And I I started to enjoy privacy more. Like, I just felt like I just stopped sharing as much as before. Initially, I was like, I want to keep myself like mysterious, you know, no. But then I was just like, no, I just I just don't want to share it. I just want to preserve this moment um in my brain without any other distraction and i love that number eight i went sideways number eight they let themselves feel the core of every emotional issue is the belief that it's not okay it's not the presence of it's harmful that's harmful it's the resistance to it that's ultimately screw us up emotionally healthy people know how to do one thing profoundly better than anyone else. Let themselves feel anything and everything they are going through. They know it won't kill them. They know to set aside time to process. They know that Contrary to common belief, doing so is not a loss of control, but rather the r- the route to being grounded and resolved enough to actually be fully present and centered, which is as quote unquote in control as human can be. Yeah, don't don't hold your emotions back. Never do that. is very harmful to your to your mental health. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's so easy that you said it. I know it's not easy. Sometimes letting yourself feel is so scary. It's so scary because sometimes our thoughts are dark as shit, but so you try to like push it away, take a deep hold, be like, you know, just go down there, numb myself in one way or the other so I don't think about it. But girl, it's gonna come back. It's gonna curl up again. You're gonna feel again some way or the other, it's going to be a huge wave, a bigger wave than before, and I don't want you to suffer, and I think the better way is to tackle it, tackle it, write it down, find someone to talk about it, and, you know, just trying to get, you know, give your time, give yourself time to process it, and tackle the core issue that you're facing instead of like shoving it away number nine they do not attach to any one outcome being good or right the moment you decided one outcome is right the right outcome you're also deciding the other outcome is wrong one beyond this some things work out the way we intended them others don't that this is a gift too i can i consider myself as a pretty stubborn person like in a good way, that is called. I'm very determined. In another way, is I'm really stubborn. When I have a certain goal in life, I chase it, which is really good. You say, yeah, it is really good. Like you, I have a goal of becoming a certain person, working in a certain company, doing something that I love. Yes, that is a really good thing. But I tackle it down to the specific subjects that I'm gonna study. The specific timeline that I'm going to achieve for a specific job. That's how specific it went. The details. Not everything in lives goes as planned. So like, you just gotta have to make yourself some room. Instead of thinking that this is the right thing to do. Let's give us alternatives. More than just one. More than just one right way. Which is which means there is no right way. There's no right way to life. Number 10, they see value and purpose of each other in every, in, in every experience. The point of anything is not what you get from having done it. It's who you become from having gone through it. It's all about growth at the end of the day. The bad thing grows you and the good thing do too. And in reality, bad, hashtag quote-unquote, bad, is only what you thought, taught, or come to believe isn't right. The point is, it's not about how much you get right, how much you get better, and every experience, the good, the bad, terrible, wonderful, confusing, messy, great, does just that. In the words of Joanna de Zilento, I hope I don't spell it wrong, I mean pronounce it wrong, the only way to fail is to abstain i mean all of this is kind of like oh you know it all right you you kind of all know this it's not surprisingly for you to know like what a emotionally healthy person is gonna be these kind of qualities well i've read it three four times now i think all these points are kind of general but also like you're like well i never really considered that as Specifically for emotionally healthy people, but I do see the qualities of this. Is it, it makes sense, and so there are always room for me to learn, room for me to improve on all these ten points. And I think there are things that aren't covered in within these ten points. I think emotionally healthy people also knows how to communicate, knows how to. Growth, grow the mistakes and um learn through fail failure not afraid of risking and failing personally i think like being emotionally healthy for these 10 points to be achieved it took me a few years to really figure this out and i'm still figuring it out like i think I, i've tackled most of these points already i do think i'm a healthy person i do think i'm a on a really good state right now i'm really comfortable in my solitude and i'm really proud of that mental health is 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 always a challenge when it comes to live events and like things that happen in life i don't mind sharing but before this episode and i just want to say like um i'm really grateful to have my grandparents in my life even though I don't really we don't have a lot of things that we talked and and um co- common interest. Um but I'm grateful that I have them in my life and especially my grandma. She is very unjudgmental and I just want to say like she is the one person in my life that one of the first few person. Well, also one of those closer family members that really don't judge me on how i look like she was never a person like oh dress in a dress or like oh you look better with like longer hair like she never told me anything about that um or being more feminine or whatever like she's very unjudgmental she's so open-minded you might think it's not even that a big deal like that's like be basically De- human decency i'm sorry it doesn't exist in my culture like it's very rare to have someone that's like that to be such um older older generations she was 90 something and she was so open-minded and so like i am very grateful to have my grandma like and she has taught me to be kind to be patient i'm i'm a person that is not very great at being patient um and well my younger self couldn't control feelings or emotions that well like i was a kid that would just burst out emotions and i was a kid that would just you know cry get attention all that it wasn't a healthy thing to do i know that and I wouldn't say I'm the best in emotionally controlling like what I, what is the word for that like emotionally, I wasn't the best at controlling them for the for the age I was, I should be able to behave better, but I wasn't those kid. I definitely think she was like a role model to be able to um, control your emotions and to process it and speak mindfully so eventually I went through life again my grandmother passed away like a month ago and so I I was like "Mm, that sucks because both of my parent grandparents passed away within this year and a half and I would say I'm really sorry I don't know I don't even know what to say. I'm not sorry. But I just feel sorry. Does that make sense? So I feel sorry for um all my aunts, my mother and because they have to lose their parents within a year and a half, like that's such short amount of time. Have to deal with all this grief and like all this emotions. It's so hard to process. And seeing the person that you love is just like, like fading in front of you. I was, I was lucky this time I get to say everything that I mean, truly mean to my grandmother. And I get to say everything, literally. I was so honest and I get to tell her, even though it's through a phone call, but I still get to tell her how grateful I am how happy I was for her and how she was so happy that I'm really happy to see her happy and yeah I mean it sucks right like people come and go but this time I really last year taught me so much and like this year I think I handled it way better and even though like I definitely felt sad and there are days that I was like Ugh, life sucks. But eventually it came through, and here I am again. And I think you guys don't really know, but like it happened last month. So, for the last, you know, month, whatever I was doing, or like Instagram or, you know, um, podcast, I've been through it and I was still thriving. So, it's the mindset. The mindset is. This time I adapted, I prepared myself to think about like what death is again. I redefine it as not the end of the world and I redefine the meaning of grief which is to be completely honest, feeling the grief was because I never get to say what I get to say, what I want to say, right? So I think getting that out just removed that element. So I'm really grateful that I was being honest. And I truthfully told everything that I want to say. And I saw my grandma um, through the phone call on the bed. And she was with like full 100% oxygen mask. Um, But she she was, I think she was unconscious. But she could hear me. And I could see that she was listening. And so I'm really grateful for that. Anyways, we're ending this episode with a pretty hefty ending. But I just want to show you guys, it's like if you hear the podcast for the first episode, you would hear that you probably felt the way that I talked about things were quite sad and a little bit depressed. But today, when I talk about grief death again i have a new perspective and i just want to say like everyone like we would go through life and death in year within years or maybe like it could be next second that you lose someone that you care about you love about um but eventually you will come through and it might suck in the moment but it will be fine it's not like time would heal. I think time definitely lets you to have the space to heal. But ultimately, it is to make you smarter, live to make your you being a smarter person, to deal with situations like this so that the next time when it comes through, you can adapt it better than the last one and you can prepare for it better than the last time such that you don't um, dwell within those feelings for too long, and then you can come back up. I hope this helps you, and um, I will see you guys next time.